Hello, and welcome to Coal Cluster Conversation. This week, we're going to be talking about a dirty topic, composting. It can be sometimes smelly, but hopefully not. Um, (laughs) Haley's been asking me a lot of questions offline about composting and uh, how to incorporate that into the vineyard. So we decided to to take a stab at it this week and talk about it. So Haley will be asking a lot of questions and um, I'm excited for the conversation. I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Okay, so first things first. Let's let's uh, start big picture here. Tell me, like I don't know anything, what is composting? So yeah, composting is the breakdown of your plant and sometimes like manure, but breakdown of materials um, by microorganisms, which is a really important part of the process um, into basically soil. And it's a way to get that nutrients that's been uptaken either through your animals um, by eating or the plants and basically breaking that back down in a process, a decomposition process that then will allow your nutrients to go back into your soil. So at, you know, you can do this at home and that's what oftentimes people think about is there small home composting bins where you're putting your veggie scraps in, but you can also do it at a larger um, scale on say your vineyard, your farm, um, even sometimes people do it with animals, um, both manure as well as actual animal parts. And so if you are familiar or if your city has the like industrial composting, then oftentimes you'll note that like you can put things like fish bones and meat bones and like that kind of stuff into it as well because um, you don't typically want to do that in your home composting but those other ones are such a large scale enough that you're able to do that kind of stuff with it and yeah and get those nutrients back in so portland has a curbside composting program right correct boise parts of boise do as well Mm -hmm. um and so i yeah definitely if you have curbside where you live figure out what you can put in your bins Mm -hmm. and try to keep stuff out of your trash can that can go in your compost because then you can go and pick up your compost and use it in your garden and stuff. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And or like out in your farms and stuff. So it's really important part of the process. Yeah. What is the goal of what to do with most compost other than like, so putting nutrients back into the soil, I get that, but Um, Is that the only goal or? No, I mean, so one is being able to get like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, calcium, some of those like nutrients back into your soil for sure. And that's like what a lot of people, but there's also things that you can think of like with compost that are similar to like mulch in terms of covering up areas to provide Um, like soil moisture, retention of your soil Mm. moisture, um, it can, it's really important that you have fully composted material because you don't want to be planting in that because if it's continually composting, then it's going to get your plants. But um, it can also 
keep with heat on like your soil. So if you have bare ground soil, um, by putting compost down, it can actually like help so that you don't have like that heat loss. So that's kind of within that soil moisture retention. But sometimes people will have like where their soil gets really, really hot and that um, can keep it. The nutrients. um, I didn't realize it helped us like soil structure. Is that what the the water retention is to do with soil structure? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Soil structure um, on top because, yeah, it kind of, it's, you know, one thing you can think about on the farm level, and you can even do this at home, but think about like cover crops and then like kind of composting back into it. It's kind of that same, same concept of like applying something on top of the soil to help build it and, and uh, add like nutrients, aka so you don't have to have fertilizer. Um, as oh. well as like introduction of your microorganisms and whatever else that's going to help with your soil structure. And so it can also help with like um, any, so nutrient deficiencies, um, your nutrient holding capacity within your soil, oh. um, adding organic matter to your soil, Um, you can sometimes impact like your pH. Sometimes that goes more into mulching too, but that's like one of the things I kind of did in my backyard is um, make sure to like add some composting and mulch to help with like getting a better pH in my soil. Um, Does it usually increase the pH or decrease it? Uh, Does it just depend on the type of compost? I think it depends on the type of compost. So like, or like mulch. So for instance, mine, I really, I wanted it. I added like a mulch that had a lot of pine needles in it. And so that's going to make it a more acidic um, soil. But what I was reading is that that should actually be good. So it's kind of the same concept (laughs) of life. Sometimes you add like coffee grounds to your, you know, on top of your soil, Um, Mm -hmm. so it's just all of that, but I should say that before you're adding compost, you really should do soil tests so that you know, like why, but that's when I was doing the research, that's honestly the number one reason that vineyards were talking about adding compost to the vineyards, um, is to help with, um, not pH, but like help with different soil health, uh, principles. Let's talk about a quick version of how to set up like a commercial size composting regimen at our vineyard. Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways that you can do it. There is um, my favorite system, which is a bin system. And you can do that on a smaller scale, um, but you just might have to turn it like with a, so like I'm just saying like at a home or like a small, Mm -hmm. you might have to like use a shovel or something, but um it's as as your product, you kind of have to, we like to think of it as like having a two or three bin system because you're going to have your products that you're putting in, um, like in the vineyard, maybe that's like your leaves, your, um, I think it's pumice, pumice, mm-hmm. um, pumice yeah. uh, which is your grape residues after you like smush it and stuff. Um, or like maybe at your home or, you know, other places, it's like food inputs. Um, also, maybe if you do have some like livestock that putting in some of that manure. Um, so you're going to have like one bin that you put your stuff into. And then you then once that kind of reaches capacity of the bin, then you can move to your next bin. And so 
It depends on a couple of different things of how how long your compost will take to like break down. But having a multi-bin system like that right next to each other can help you so that once that gets full, you can move to the next one and that one's keep composting. And so eventually you'll get this cycle where you're able to take some off and then put it into a new bin. Um, and so that's the bin system. I can make sure it's covered. That's the that's the key point. But oh, okay. um, with a larger like industrial Several grade acres, one, yeah. you will want to make your bins the size of like your tractor or whatever, because that'll make less work for yourself of, um, so you can be able to dump in as well as doing any flipping that you might want to do. Um, the next system is, oh, what is it called? It's just a, there's a, a fancy term for it, but it's essentially (laughs) a static pile Um, that then you will stick poles into um, with holes. And then you can also pump like real fancy. So if you're doing it at the home level, you might just like stick those poles in. And then naturally that is getting oxygen into your system. Because like we talked about with uh, our yeast conversation, there's microorganisms in your compost bin that are working for you. You want to keep them happy. And part of that is making sure that they have oxygen. Um, Mm -hmm. That's one of those times when people say, oh, it's stinky. And that's because it's moved to an anaerobic without oxygen situation. So that's like if you just have um, a smaller, like, yeah, little pile. And then you stick these holes in it. Sometimes people... Um, that do it at a larger scale will actually put these pipings with the holes, like it's a PVC piping that they put throughout mm-hmm. their static pile. And then they'll actually have a little machine that will pump air through it. So it's like circulating the air um, if it's like a oh, larger cool. pile. Um, those can start, you know, that's a it's an investment to go into that. But um, I was reading on one thing that um, I think... Uh, Walla Walla Community College was looking at at doing that system and they spent like $700 on this thing. Wow. um, Yeah, that's like nothing, especially if you're able to use that product on your soil to improve your soil health. And then also, hopefully, you're able to use that equipment like several years in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, that can be difficult because when you're doing that, like if you have piping in there and then if you're like when you're wanting to try to get that out, like you can't just put your bin in there, breaks the piping. So so you have to have some considerations on that one um, system. And then, like I said, depending on how much you have, like if your pile's getting really big, that probably isn't the method that you want to do. Yeah. And then the last system that's uh, pretty popular is called a windrow system. And you might have seen that places. And it's just basically like, I like to think of it as a long tunnel of compost that they just like put out. And so that's really easy because you can just like, you know, take your tractor and put like it in um, kind of the pile. And then usually they just take it through and they there's sometimes like these really fancy machines that kind of flip it for you as you go down. Um, Or I guess you could just kind of have your bin that you're kind of like flipping it. But yeah, I feel like for the next time we get together somewhere, 
we should do a tour of the composting facility. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sure that Portland has several facilities. I'm pretty sure Boise has two places that they do their composting. Oh, yeah. Uh, commercial composting. We should, it would be cool to go and see how they actually do it and the machines at work. <laughs> yeah. And they might be doing those windrowing systems. Mm-hmm. And I know that I, I've seen that. So like, I will say at dairies, but like that's the dairies also have a lot of like, that's, I guess, a whole other thing where they have lagoons full of like the yeah. liquid waste product and sludge. Um, but sometimes they'll have it for like some of the dry material too. Yeah. Um, but I think for most people, the three bin system works really well. Or even like the home composter, you can think of that like those fancy little like spheres of sorts that you kind of turn around that's kind of the same thing as just like a contained bin and so thinking of that sphere is kind of the same thing where you have bins you want it covered and um you want to be able to turn it and so you need to figure out a way with your equipment that you can get in there and turn it so yeah that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. Make sure that, yeah, you can fit your tractor in or like that you put it, also put it in an area that makes sense so that it's not like some people are like, oh, my compost bin, I want it way far in the corner. But if that's not making your work efficiency, then like, and you're you're having to sludge out all the way to the far, slug out all the yeah. way out there, then that's not going to be a good thing. So yeah, you want it close enough to be practical but far enough away that if you do get some issues near uh, microbes go anaerobic then yeah it's not too stinky (laughs) yeah yeah but you know hopefully you are that's part of your process so that it's not um an issue so right and like I did a bin system at my home garden too and so like that's cool um and I just put it in a place you have three bins no I only did one bin Okay. Um, and I just, you know, cause I'm just like putting it in and like, I just kind of move it around. <laughs> it's yeah. not the best, but it's just cause I don't have enough compost, but, um, for that. And I just kind of know that like, okay, I'm going to put it in and then I'm just going to let it be. So, yeah. So I, I tried before we had our commercial composting system to, um, compost myself and probably part of the problem was I didn't pay enough attention to it and I didn't turn it enough but um do you feel like there's like what what is the number one thing you see people do wrong like me and then be like throw up our hands and be like I'm I'm obviously not good at composting I'm not doing it anymore (laughs) like what's what do you think is the number one or maybe two three things that like oh yeah obviously you can't compost like that (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, there's several components that go into composting, but the one thing that I see that really impacts composting that a majority of people don't realize is covering your bin. And what that's going to do, I think I've already said it like 10 times, cover your bin, people. Um, what that's going to do even in like an arid environment like yours, um, for us, it's like, oh yeah, it's like keeping the rainwater out so you don't have that like, you know, moving. But it's essentially going to be containing the moisture within your system. It's going to be 
helping heat it up, which is a super important part of composting. So one that just gets your microorganisms going so that they're breaking things down. It also, um, what you want to do is part of the process is it's going to get up to heat and you want that up to like, uh, 131 degrees Fahrenheit is kind of like the top. So uh, to kill weed seeds and disease organisms is between 30 and 55 degrees Celsius, which is 86 to 130 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's a kind of a natural curve of it. And so by covering your bin, that's just going to help with like adding that in so you don't have like the releasing of too mm-hmm. much heat it's going to contain moisture because if your your compost dries out then it's not going to work as well and it's not going to achieve those temperatures and it's not going to break down as quickly so right i've seen a lot of systems where you know it's the same material that's put in and then like one that's covered is like breaking down a lot faster than an uncovered bin um, okay. So that's like really that was probably important. my problem. I just had a compost pile where we were putting all of our gla- grass clippings and yeah. leaves and table scraps, things like that. And it just didn't really ever do anything. So, and the simplest covering. thing is just put a tarp like that, your thing on the ground, just put a tarp over it. Like that's cool. the cheapest way. And then, you know, if you for your. If you're, you know, doing it at an industry level or you just want to like step it up a notch and make it look nicer, then, you know, throw a little, um, you know, little like lean to like get some roofing type thing or like that metal corrugated metal and like put a little roof over it, Um, you know, obviously high enough so you can get in there and whatever. But work. Yeah. And work. But you'll kind of see it. It looks like a little stall of sorts. And you can have like the bottom and then the top. Um, There's a really great... When I first started my job, I believe it was... Oh, where was it? It was some university... Oh! (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. I'm forgetting what it's called right now. Cornell. Cornell has a really good, they do a lot of composting. People know Cornell is like, what is it? An Ivy League, a semi, an Ivy League college? It's back East. Yeah. But actually in the wine world, it's um, a really, they do a ton of research on yeah. wine it, and vines. It's an ag school. Like that's uh-huh. a big part of it. Like people just kind of think like, oh, it's really well known for all this stuff. But like, it's also a really good Ag program. Research ag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole, they've been doing a ton of research around composting. And so I took a really great oh, cool. um, training. And so you can find that online. And I think it was recorded um, about composting. And so you can see kind of some of their bin systems and, and styles for how to do it. Okay, Cornell, we'll look that up. Um, so I know that um, there is kind of a magic. I think, I mean, maybe you can school me in this and I'm completely misinformed. Isn't there kind of a magic of adding green stuff and brown stuff to your compost? Exactly. A balance? Exactly. It's called your carbon-nitrogen ratio. And there's some really cool... things called compost calculators. I'm sure like I have an Excel spreadsheet that I use for like 
different, it has it based on like crop types, which of course grapes oh. weren't on my Excel spreadsheet thing, but <laughs> um, common t- crop types as well as like different animals for manure. Um, and so if you Google it, you can find a compost calculator. And this is, you know, for if you're doing it at a higher level, you're definitely going to want to think about this. Or if you're really running into issues and you have something like, hey, I have a horse or I have something that I'm using a lot of this one material. Um, but you can basically put that into your the calculator and it's looking, it tells you, you're going to want to look up the carbon value. So everything, I mean, there's been so much research. So a lot of it has this like carbon value um, and then the weight, like the amount that you're putting in. And you basically like add those all up and then divide it by the weight of everything. And then you're able to start getting out like, hey, this needs more. You need to add more nitrogen or more um, uh, carbon to the system. And so okay, as you were saying, there's green product and brown product. And so brown product, I was in like manure, but it also <laughs> can be like dead leaves um, and yeah. some other like kind of drier weight stuff. Um, and Would that be like woody tissue mm-hmm. from plants? Yeah, mulch. Okay. Um, and then your green product would be like, you know, your leaves and, and yeah. food scraps and stuff like that. And so you're at the like the science behind it and really like if you dig into it it's really about getting those ratios correct and when i was digging into it for like grapes and um cuz everything's a little bit differently but um mm-hmm. it was saying you wanted like a 30 to 1 carbon to nit- nitrogen to carbon ratio carbon to nitrogen okay. ratio darn it <laughs> so um And that's what a bunch of different people were saying kind of for the vineyard. But yeah, thinking about that. And so practically how you can tell if that's happening is like, again, if you're not seeing the breakdown of it or if it's dry, then you're like, okay, I need to add some more grains to it. Right. Um, And then sometimes it's like, oh, I need to add some more manure product to it because it's not like breaking down. And so... um, that's just, is that an easy place to get your microbes jump started? Is from manure? Maybe, but it's also, I think when we talk about manure, uh, it's really important to think about the heat with it because you're actually wanting oh. to kill off pathogens that are in manure. And um, for instance, like chicken manure, people love it's really high in ammonia, and so that it can go a lot faster. Um, with breakdown. Um, But it's really when you're seeing stuff like it drying out too much, or if it's becoming too wet, that you're going to want to be thinking about those like, okay, if it's too wet, maybe I need to add some more like brown material to it. Okay. Um, So it's it's just this giant game of things, but it's, it's really paying (laughs) attention to your pile and like, it shouldn't smell. If it smells, then you need to add oxygen to your system because it's turned anaerobic. And so again, that can be through the pipes or by turning it. If it's too wet, you're going to be like, okay, I need to be adding more brown. And so that's what okay. with like 
grapes I was finding because they're so like wet and whatever. And they actually break down really fast. Um, so oftentimes uh, people were adding some mulch to it. Um, but okay. you want to think about the size of your mulch because if you have big, big twigs, those are going to take longer to break down. So sometimes it's like using a smaller like sawdust, but maybe that might be too small. But think about that. Do you? So do you suggest that if you're going to be adding, um, like if we do all of our cuttings, our grapevine cuttings, that we need to mulch or shred them or however you want to <laughs> put it? Yeah, yeah, you okay. might think about that. Chipper. Because you, yeah, because what will happen is it'll just take longer to break it down or you might, mm-hmm. um, like I was even finding this at my home bin that I had like a couple of larger pieces, pieces of mulch and some like sticks that had just gotten in my bin. And so everything was looking great and really broken down. But then I'm like finding these bigger chunks of oh. things in it because they just haven't broken down because they're bigger yeah. surface area items. So you can imagine the little microorganisms and your, and also your, your worms and different things. It's just taking a little bit longer to like break those things down. Yeah. So how do you tell when the compost is done? So you want to, one, you want to look at like the moisture level in it. Um, It should be just like a brown dirt looking thing. It should be dark brown. It should smell like dirt and like loveliness. Um, (laughs) It shouldn't um, be super, I mean, it's part of the composting process too, but you, if you, there's a thing called like a squeeze test. And if you grab a bunch of it and squeeze it real hard, like you should only get a couple drips of, of water coming off. So that's kind of in the process, but that's also something to think about, like kind of how it feels of sorts. Um, It really just, starts looking like soil. And also if you are really like people that are studying it and, and doing like industrial grade, like looking at that temperature spike, cause it's kind of like a little bell curve. Well, kind of oh. with a taper, a long taper, mm-hmm. but you're going to have a big spike at the beginning as you know, same process with like yeast, I'm sure, as those microorganisms, different things are working, they're producing a lot more heat. And so you might see steam off of your compost pile. That's all good. Yes, it can get too much. So just think about that. There are times when it can turn on fire, but that's not, not, I don't, I want to say it's not like super, super common, um, but because they get really hot. And so that's when you're if you gonna... have a, too much dry material yeah. or you don't have it covered. Yeah. Well, it just means that it's like you're it needs yeah some different input into it. But yeah, they'll get really hot. And then as it um, as those basically they'll get hot and then your microorganisms are dying because they're getting too hot. And so then it'll start tapering down too. And so that's the other reason why thinking about having multiple bins so that you're getting it hot enough so that you are killing off any diseased organisms. So my next kind of set of questions is about the practical side of using your compost. So how, how, should we be using the compost and what are the best ways to get it where we want it? Yeah. And I was going to say in the speaking specifically about like vineyards is um, you can use it for weed suppression. Again, like I said, adding that nitrogen, phosphorus, all those nutrients back into your soil. So putting it um, back onto around your grapevines um, to 
get those nutrients back in. And I was reading, I found a couple of fun, everything or a couple of the things I found, I found a couple papers about it, but a lot of them were kind of more just like anecdotal written up things that were saying people were having a lot of success with basically having better vine quality by having compost around. Um, because again, if you think about like you're, in, you're putting those inputs back into your soil um, and that can be similar concept again as cover crop. Um, so that's like, uh, you know, and oftentimes people think about it for their gardens. Um, but I think you can also use it like to do weed suppression a little bit too. Um, How do you do that? Do you use it more like a mulch? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. So, so spreading it kind of thick. Yes, exactly. So um, I had one farmer that had this amazing, uh, there was like hardly any weeds and I was always surprised by it. And it's like, she just like really had her compost regimen down. Um, and cool. she was also using kind of like a covering of hay as well um, around it. But she just, yeah, put it around her crops. It's really important if you're putting them near your crops or if you're planting your plants in it, again, that your compost is completely done. So you don't want to like, you want to make sure that it's kind of tapered off and is really looking like soil and you don't have like a lot of like, you, you shouldn't see debris that you can identify in it. Um, okay. So if it's still composting and you, like, if you're just like, I'm going to put my veggie scraps on my thing and let it compost one, you might have issues and it won't really yeah. compost. But to, um, if it's composting, it can actually burn your plants. So that's something okay. you want to think about. But do you think that there are certain, um, spreading implements that would work better in a vineyard setting? So one of the things that I know is like we use like a manure spreader or like a big um, you could just use it for kind of your compost too. Um, but that is something that it depends on your spacing for your like okay. ability. But sometimes having something that you load in and then you just like so like a manure spreader that it's just like drive, you know, drive it along and then it's like depositing it at a good rate along it um, okay. is is really nice, especially like in the field system. Um, I was noticing, and I don't know practically how they put it out, but I was noticing in pictures of people that had put it in the vineyards, like they just kind of had little like piled strips along the base of their vineyard, their yeah. Rose. like you don't want it right up on the root but like kind of right there and so I'm assuming that they were just like piling it on there but you could kind of like go out and probably like dump it and then like spread it along real fast cool I also saw somebody use like a little fertilizer thing you know the little push things that you oh, use yeah. for fertilizer um I think you just have to be careful with that because you know if it's too much going there it could clog yeah, up easy figuring but... out, making sure it's nice and dry maybe <laughs> like definitely in that um yeah what should we call it like that like yeah finished <laughs> don't try to <laughs> do unfinished stuff yeah um and if you're doing composted manure one thing that you want to think about I know that that's like manure specifically but mm -hmm. um is when you're spreading it, you know, you want to be putting it on at a time when there's going to be uptake of it. And you also okay. don't want to be putting it on 
especially for manure around strain systems when it's raining. <laughs> so okay. like think about that because I mean, even even normal food, you don't want it because you don't want to be putting it and then have the rain come down or, or just like sprinkling it really well. And so then mm-hmm. having all of that nutrients just leached out and like ran off like you want it to like get into your soil and like leach down into the soil and be uptaken by the plant and not just spread out sitting there yeah no you want it sitting there you don't want it like the rain to take it away (laughs) uptake uptaking the plant to be in an active like exactly growth phase um so do you have any um, ideas about using compost tea because a lot of vineyards okay. are they use drip irrigation uh-huh. so I think a lot of them could be retrofitted or are already fitted to do um, some sort of like application of nutrients and stuff through their drip irrigation I love that I mean I haven't really thought of that but I love that and honestly that is an area that I don't know a ton about but I need to get into because I've been told by several people like that recommendation for like my fruit trees and different things to use compost tea. And so um, maybe you can help me a little bit on this one, Haley, but essentially (laughs) it's like brewing your compost like into a water and then like Mm -hmm. using that to like spray. Like I had somebody tell me like to basically do a backpack sprayer of it and then like spray plants. Yeah. So there's, you can either do foliar applications or you can, I think you can also like use the drip line emitters to like just put that into the soil. So I guess, yeah, it just makes it solid. Like it puts it in the water Mm -hmm. already. It makes it soluble and then applies it. So like you were saying, so you don't have, if your watering regimen is going well, you don't have um, like a bunch of water being wasted. It's going into the plants. It's making it available for the plants right away. Yeah. And that's something to consider because that's going to be uptaken a lot faster. Um, And so if you want something that's like more leaching over the season and over the grant, that's when you're going to want that like solid um, material. So again, test your soil, test your soil, even at home, test your soil um, because you want to know like, you know, maybe you already have really good organic soil that has like great like oftentimes if people have been doing certain farming practices, like they might actually have too much in their soil of like phosphorus or nitrogen. And so like you, like they've already over fertilized. So you kind of need to like give a break to it. And so um, that's just something to consider is like making sure you're not just adding more when you want to make sure you're adding what you need to, to your soil. So like, I guess, top things about composting cover your bin to make it happen <laughs> and then test your soil i like yeah make sure you're adding the right type of yeah. stuff to your soil i think that comes to a bigger point that we should probably talk about more in depth which is soil health we've talked a ton about soil just in this composting episode and we've talked about it before mm-hmm. so i think we should put together like a mini series maybe um because there'll be there's just a lot to talk about with soil health yeah, and, I think we can go through some of the main big soil health principles and just um, like there's all a ton of great resources out there about it. Um, but yeah, we can talk about it specifically yeah. in the vineyard situation or yeah, scenario. <laughs> Is there anything that you like? I feel like I have a huge 
leg up on going and starting a compost system right now at Finca, where we have our vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there stuff that I missed in our in our conversation today? Is there other stuff you want people to know about composting? There is so much. I think, you know, just knowing about like your, again, your carbon and nitrogen ratios, testing your soil to know if that is, um, you know, knowing a part of that like soil carbon or carbon nitrogen ratio is, you know, knowing about like your bulk density, the solid Um, the amount of solids in your material, dry weight of the material, your moisture level, um, just really understanding that that's important. And it's not just about throwing something in a bin and like letting it go, which, you know, might work, but um, your microorganisms are super important. I think we always just think about worms, but there's also a ton of other cool things that break down soil. Um, I just saw what's called a soldier soldier fly, I think that's right. Um, in, in my, you know, on one of my plants and I was like, this is really cool. And I looked it up and it's this amazing, like, um, decomposition or fly thing that's out there. Um, and it's, it doesn't like, you know, we think flies and you think pathogens, diseases, but it actually doesn't carry. It's not a vector for those. It's just like simply an amazing, uh, breaker down of your compost. So, um, Yeah. So just thinking about those moisture, your heat and all those things that it's, is really important to your bin and like setting up a, I will say work efficient bin system or compost system. So that's part of your like routine of, um, Mm -hmm. your either at home or, um, vineyard process so that it's, so you're using it for yourself and you're not just like (laughs) putting it in a corner and forgetting it, which might be okay, but it also, it it needs a little bit more to it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I like, um, I remember from our, when we recorded our yeast episode a while ago, they're called facultative anaerobes, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. So they can work in the presence or absence of oxygen, but typically they get stressed in the absence of oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. As we say, you want happy yeast makes happy wine or whatever you said. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the, the same thing of like happy microorganisms is happy compost piles and not stinky compost piles. So not saying that, that you aren't putting like poop or something else in your compost pile that could be a little stinky at first, but overall you should not have stinkiness. Um, and if you do add some oxygen. It's like the easiest way. (laughs) So, yeah. And I think, yeah, it gets into, there's a lot of nerdiness with those nitrogen ratios, but go out, look those things up for yourself. Look up what you're, you're putting in, whether that's like primarily leaf, like leaf material or um, even the pumice, pumice, right? The Mm-hmm. the grape pulp material um, because that's just going to have different nitrogen carbon ratio amounts and um, yeah. bulk densities. That, so That too. Um, we should look at some of the stuff that um, Walla Walla Community College is saying and doing with their compost because I don't know if that would technically be a green material or a it's a Brown green material. material. It is green? Yeah, okay. I believe it's green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's what I would guess. But then again, 
I killed my compost pile, so. <laughs> yeah, well, and on that, like they, Walla Walla, um, I have a couple of notes on it. They said that they began, they, they started in, I think, well, the article was in 2015 that I was reading. And so a couple years back. Uh, so I'm sure they have some updates on it. But they said that they began with pumice from 75 tons of grape and they got about 60 cubic yards of compost wow. material. Um, but they did talk about the input rates and how quickly that pumice was like breaking down. And so like learning a couple things about the other brown material that they were putting in with it to make sure that it wasn't getting too wet. Because with grapes, if you get too wet, then you're having acetic acid build up and you're basically, you know, having some weird vinegar wine yeah. situation now <laughs> in your compost <laughs> so adding some of those other like brown materials to your compost pile is really important if you're using like grapes and that stuff yeah for your your stuff um yeah very cool yeah I, I'll do a couple other shout outs. There's a really cool, um, so Walla Walla has some great research. Um, Virginia Tech, I found a couple of really good um, resources about composting. Um, and then there was actually a really cool article from the University of Idaho about um, using, um, I found out, which I kind of knew this, but Idaho has one of the largest like dairy milk productions in the U.S. And mm -hmm. um, they were using from our hometown of Caldwell, Idaho, <laughs> um, they were using manure and grapes uh, for composting. And they were saying it was really great because basically the manure had too much whatever and then the grapes were too like wet and so then they were help like working together to oh, to basically cool. form a better compost and they said they had a comment and maybe you know about it but basically that in grapes with like vine pruning oftentimes they would like burn that or like get rid of it in other ways and so this was a way to like bring it into the compost pile scenario yeah. I think you're right I think a lot of um people just do burn a lot of their waste because yeah there aren't they a lot of not a ton of the grape growers in our area are composting mm -hmm. so they don't have that infrastructure built up and they also um have to pay to take that oh, waste yeah. to the to the landfill so they just go ahead and i think dispose of it by burning yeah so i'll just end on um use compost so that you are bringing all that nitrogen and different things and, and nutrients and bringing it back into your vineyard so that you don't have to pay for that, both removing it as well as paying for fertilizer, nitrogen, or, you know, nutrients, compost, like you can just create it yourself and with the product you already have and create a nice little circle of um, carbon and nitrogen in your system. Next week, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about sparkling wine. And um, I think we'll probably start pretty broad and just talk about the different types of sparkling wines that are made. And then... Um, I hope to ask you some questions too, because that's your expertise. So It is. Yes, that's what we make. Um, so if you have questions about making sparkling wine or some funny stories about making sparkling wine, um, kind of go ahead and email them in. You can reach us at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.